of the JP Hoops Podcast. Of course, as always, I'm Justin Pora, and so many good things to get into. We have the NBA Draft coming up tomorrow night as I'm recording this on Wednesday, July 28th. I'll give you my top 10 picks for the draft, as well as some of the best prospects that I see coming out of either college, the G League, or overseas. Get to that in a little bit. Also going to go through the coaching carousel that happened throughout the NBA playoffs into the offseason. All that and more in just a little bit. But first, let's give a shout out to our great sponsor, the Book It Sports app. If you're not on the Book It Sports app by now, I'm not sure what you're doing. The number one social media community for sports bettors. Go check them out at Book It HQ on Twitter and go get the Book It Sports app on either the iTunes or Android stores. All right, NBA offseason. We just saw the Milwaukee Bucks have their parade. Giannis was crowned during his coronation. P.J. Tucker got wasted, as all champions should be allowed to do. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton hopped on a flight with Devin Booker, who they just beat in the NBA Finals, to go over to Japan and help out the U.S. men's national team that has since lost their first group play game against France and then just destroyed Iran 120-66. Still high hopes for this United States team, but if you want to go check out my other podcast titled View from the Grandstand that I do with a company I work for called Media Village, I went through the rising international talent around the globe when it comes to basketball. We just saw Giannis Antetokounmpo from Greece win the finals MVP, win a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. And we just saw Nikola Jokic of Serbia win uh, an MVP award with the Denver Nuggets. So definitely a big, growing international presence around the globe when it comes to basketball. And we have to give them credit where credit is due. Other countries are starting to get on the United States level. I still think the U.S. has way more talent, more NBA talent than any other country. And I think eventually, as long as they make it to knock out competition, they'll do just fine. So I'm not too worried about that. Won't go more into the United States basketball situation. think I covered it pretty well in last week's episode. So let's get on to the NBA, starting with the draft, the biggest event up until free agency really starts to open up for the NBA. And let's start with my mock draft top 10 picks for tomorrow night's NBA draft. And I think the only easy pick throughout the entire draft, is the number one pick. It's going to be Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State going to the Detroit Pistons. Now, if you watched any college basketball last year, it was fairly obvious that Cade Cunningham is the most NBA-ready, most complete, developed, fine-tuned college player 
that is going to enter the NBA. He just has it. And it's not like he's just this bona fide scorer, can get to his spots, can do all of these things that you look for when drafting an NBA prospect. Cade Cunningham has all the intangibles as well. He finds his teammates. He is a leader. He scores at every level. He defends super hard. And when Oklahoma State wasn't able to have him on the court, we saw they had one big win in Big 12 play without Cade Cunningham against Baylor. But other than that, the team needed him in every spot they could get. That's why they lost in the second round because Cade Cunningham, when he didn't have it going, the team wasn't good. They were unfairly seeded as a four seed in what I thought was the toughest group in the NCAA tournament where I believe Houston wound up coming out to make the final four in a group that had Illinois, who was the one seed West Virginia was a big three seed who wound up losing to my Syracuse orange who were able to make it in as a 10 seed. It was a little bit of a rough opportunity for Oklahoma state and Cade Cunningham, but Cade Cunningham leading Oklahoma state to what nobody expected in becoming Big 12 champions, winning the conference tournament by taking down the eventual NCAA champion Baylor Bears. Cade Cunningham can do it all. He's going to come into the league, be able to score and make plays right away. Great court vision, hardworking kid. I think he's the clear-cut, easy number one pick for Detroit. And now they'll have a real piece to build around as they are basically going from the ground up here with not much other than Jeremy Grant. I think Cade Cunningham is going to provide a lot of value for that team. And again, Sadiq Bey, who was on the all-rookie team also there, he'll be a good piece to put alongside those guys. For my second pick in the draft, there are two guys that really stand out here. It's either Evan Mosley of USC, a power forward that could stretch the floor, but I am opting for Jalen Green who will be coming out of the G League to join the Houston Rockets. Houston is probably in as bad a situation as any team in the league. Dumping off James Harden, yes, they got a ton of draft picks, but in that trade with the Nets and then eventually trading Karis LeVert, who was supposed to be the big piece they got in that trade, over to... Indiana and then getting Victor Oladipo and then shipping Victor Oladipo over to Miami, they didn't get any young players to build that foundation around. They don't have much talent on the team. Once they traded James Harden, they were the worst team in the league. They hit a 13-loss streak after they got rid of James Harden. Other than Christian Wood, who injured himself towards the end of the year, they didn't really get anybody. They don't have a lot to build around, so they need to make a splash. They need someone who's dynamic. Jalen Green, not a huge big, uh, excuse me, G League fan. I can't say I watched any of his G League games, but he is someone who, when he was in high school, there were a ton of hoop mixtapes for him. He's just an aggressive scorer, get to the rack, make things happen off his athleticism and his power. And I think Jalen Green is going to step into Houston, take over a starting role right away, 
and just kind of make his presence felt. And without James Harden, Houston really needs someone to go in, make a splash, show who they are. And Jalen Green making the big step to not go to college, to go to the G League. He's an independent guy. He's someone, I believe, when you go to the G League, something that I do think is beneficial for G League players rather than college players, even though I would recommend if you are a superstar to go to college to get that exposure, especially now with the NIL rules, you could make money off of your image and likeness. So that really kind of contradicts what the G League tried to do. But it does get you more prepared for the NBA because you don't even have to pretend that you're caring about school. You are living the life of a professional athlete. You are traveling with the team. You are working day in and day out to become a better basketball player. And you don't have to put up with the college lifestyle that gets to you. You are treating yourself like a professional. I think Jalen Green is going to go into Houston and immediately become the face of that team. And I think Houston has to be happy with that. They're going to select him second in the draft. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm hearing a lot of things that they're going to trade the number three overall pick. But with the draft that I have put together, I'm not taking trades into consideration. And assuming that a trade doesn't happen, that means they'll keep along Colin Sexton for the ride so they don't need a point guard. So I think they'll add to the front court. I think they're going to take Evan Mobley out of USC. Now, Mobley played with his brother over at USC and maybe wasn't so high on draft boards going into the NCAA tournament, but USC making a deep run into the NCAA tournament, an unexpected Elite Eight team in the tournament, and Mobley was the absolute star of the show. Now, not a huge offensive presence, but he has the size as a seven-foot power forward, and he is able to stretch the floor. And when you look at his game log in his four games in the NCAA tournament, 17 and 11, 10 and 13, 10 and 8, and then against Gonzaga where they got absolutely boat raced, only seven, he had 17 points, which tied the tournament high for him, only five rebounds, but when he had to go up against Drew Timmy, just wasn't a favorable matchup for him. He shot over 50% in every game other than the Gonzaga game. He is able to stretch the floor, take some threes, not a very good three-point shooter, but he picks his spots very well. He is a great decision maker with the basketball. Not someone who turns the ball over a ton, someone you could trust with the ball in their hands, trust them to take open shots, good shots, high percentage shots. And something else he does really well is defend. In his first three tournament games, three blocks, three blocks, two blocks. And that was kind of the identity that USC created in the tournament that allowed them to get wins that they weren't expected to get. So he was a big presence. And you put him at the four spot next to Jared Allen in Cleveland. That is a front court not to be messed with. I think he makes a very positive impact there. And... It's a good fit for him at three. He is a top three talent who has all of the things you look for in a modern day big man in today's NBA. At number four, the Toronto Raptors losing Kyle Lowry. They're going to need a leader. They're going to need a point guard. And there is no better spot in the draft right here than Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Now, if you know anything about college basketball, Jalen Suggs, probably more than Kate Cunningham, 
you know the name. Just because he had more success at the collegiate level than Cunningham did, he was an absolute monster. Hit a game-winning three-pointer in the Final Four to beat UCLA, get Gonzaga to the NCAA championship game. He was the number one recruit coming out of high school, joined Gonzaga as their first number one recruit in program history. He was a dual-sport athlete in high school, a great quarterback as well and then fit right in to a point guard spot at that role. Now, Jalen Suggs, he's not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but he is a leader on the floor. He is a true number one point guard coming out of uh, a freshman year where he lit the country on fire. Gonzaga was a very team-oriented program, so he wasn't necessarily able to get all the shots and everything that he needed But when he did have the ball in his hands, he created plays, and he shot the lights out. Over 50% from the field, over 33% from three. He stepped up in the biggest moments in the NCAA tournament, hitting one of the biggest shots in Gonzaga basketball history. Over 15 points per game in the team's last three uh, NCAA tournament games. He was terrific. And they didn't lose because of him. He was really, really good. He had one dud, and it was against Creighton, and his team kind of picked him up on that one. But he is a born leader. He is a perfect point guard for today's NBA. You know, maybe a little bit undersized, six foot four. Does that worry you? Doesn't bother me because he has the resume to back it up. NCAA All Tournament team, uh, West Coast Conference Tournament MVP. Consensus All-American, he's a terrific player, and I think he will fit very well in Toronto where Kyle Lowry has become a bit of an icon over the last at least seven years. So I think he will be a great replacement to kind of fill those shoes, work up with some other good young players of Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, and he will be the ball handler that they are going to be looking for now that Kyle Lowry is more likely than not departing from that situation. And number five, the Magic going with Jonathan Kuminga from the G League. Another player I don't know a ton about, but I've seen a lot of different tape around him. More likely than not when he was in high school. Uh, kind of a big player. He plays between a small forward and a power forward position. Has a lot of length. He's just a freakish athlete freakish athlete and he could shoot the basketball he's going to be a great perimeter defender once he comes out of the g league and then into the nba and like i said before g league players have the experience to be great nba players because they've done it before the rookie season isn't going to take so much of a toll on them as it will these college guys because they were kind of in this situation And being in a pro environment, I think, is really huge. And it matters. You know, we're going to see more players going to the G League than ever before. It's worth noting that being a professional is something that you need when you're considering a lottery draft pick. And they're going to look at Kuminga as a guy who could go in alongside Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony. They'll be pretty set with young talent. And Kuminga, the best prospect on the board, the most upside 
out of anyone left on the draft board. Now, the next two picks for me, I think are pretty interchangeable. And I think the only difference is they're very similar type players, the two that I'm about to mention. But Oklahoma City doesn't need a guard as much. They need a bigger presence. And that's why I think they go with Scotty Barnes out of FSU. Scotty Barnes is a real grit guy. He's a huge defender. He gets up in your face. Leonard Hamilton over at FSU, Florida State University, really focuses on defense, creates tough teams. Florida State has been one of the, you know, rising programs in college basketball over the last few years, and he was absolutely terrific. ACC All-Freshman, ACC uh, First-Team Player of the Year, and he was the Sixth Man of the Year over at Florida State. Just a gritty guy, knows his role, takes smart shots, and plays some really, really good defense. He is rising up draft boards, apparently impressing a lot of people in workouts. And when you look at this Oklahoma City team right now, you put him with Lou Dort, someone else who really gets after it, can teach him, can build his body up as he already stands at 6'9", 227, according to sports reference. He's going to be a hell of a player. And I think that when you have that type of aggression and grit to say that I'm not going to let anybody stop me. I think that's insanely valuable. And that's why he is going to fit perfectly on Oklahoma city and be a, one of those kind of agitating players that gets under your skin, but could also give you some really good moments offensively when you ask him to another player, very similarly to him, just a bit smaller about seven inches shorter, but also just a hard-nosed defensive guy and will fit with the Golden State Warriors as assuming that Draymond Green, it, it seems like his future is more in doubt than anyone else who is a part of those core Warrior teams. I think Davian Mitchell out of Baylor, who we saw really put on a show in the NCAA tournament, is going to fit brilliantly with the Golden State Warriors, and I think they take him at seven. Now, he shined a bit offensively during the NCAA tournament. That's what we think because we watch those games. But he is just a perfect playmaker for a team that won an NCAA championship in the final four game against Houston, 12 points, 11 assists. And then in the national championship game, did a lot on the defensive side of the ball, 15 points, six rebounds, five assists, and that's as a 6-2 guard. Very smart player, 56% from inside the three-point arc, and when he takes his threes, he typically makes them as he's a near 45% three-point shooter this last year in college. Something that is a little hard, especially now that we see the talent coming out of college after a year, coming out of the G League after the year. He is a bit older than we look for when drafting NBA prospects. At 22 years of age, played for a few years at Baylor since 2019. This was his, I believe, second true season. And I remember when Cam Johnson got drafted, I believe in 2019, and he was taken in the lottery. It was a huge deal because he was a 23-year-old player. Of course, you look at upside when you draft prospects. How much more can Mitchell really grow until he reaches his pick? He'll be 23 years old when the season starts. So that's a bit concerning. But when you have someone 
who has made so many big plays on such a big stage, someone who's gritty, smart, knows the game, and has championship pedigree. Look, I know the Golden State Warriors have two lottery picks, but they fully believe that they are going to make a run at an NBA championship this year because Klay Thompson comes back. Steph Curry is still there. Still got Draymond Green. James Wiseman in year two. They're going to want to add somebody who can win now. And I think Davian Mitchell, someone who has won it at the collegiate level, is going to fit greatly off the bench behind a Curry or Thompson to give you some good minutes and hit the three ball when you ask him to. With the eighth overall selection, I have the Magic taking Franz Wagner out of Michigan. Now, here's the thing about Wagner. He was not great in the NCAA tournament, which is something that, you know, I have been giving a lot of credit to some guys for doing. A, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mosley, uh, excuse me, Mobley. I've been saying Mosley, I don't know why. I'm thinking Mr. Mosby, but it's Mobley, Evan Mobley. Uh, Scotty Barnes had some moments as well, but Wagner, not necessarily one of those players. He actually had a huge missed shot that caused Michigan to lose in their NCAA tournament game, Mm -hmm. but you have to respect the body and the prospect of what he can be. At 19 years of age, he'll be 20 when the season starts, 6'9", 220". He's listed as a small forward, but honestly, you could probably put him at a power forward position, and he has a lot of room to get bigger. The Magic already should hit with their first overall pick in the draft at Kumunga at 5, and now they have the 8th pick. They get another big piece, Wagner, who has more potential to grow. The Magic aren't in the business of winning anything anytime soon, so I think you take a flyer on a guy that has a lot of room to grow, has shown that he can improve his jump shot. He has something that is work with the bull going into the next couple of years, and he has a lot of room left to grow in that body. So I think you take a chance with Wagner at eight. With the ninth pick, I have the Sacramento Kings taking James Booknight out of UConn. Someone who has insane scoring ability, Kind of got overshadowed because UConn wasn't particularly great this year. I believe got bounced in the second round to Alabama in the NCAA tournament. Actually lost in the first round to Maryland in the NCAA tournament. So not really much to see unless you were a consumer of UConn Husky Big East basketball all season long. But Book Knight can score on all three levels. And apparently they're was a little bit of controversy surrounding if he can hit three-pointers. Then he went to his pro day and shut everybody up. He has great size for the type of player that he is. He's going to be a shooting guard in this league. You put him next to De'Aaron Fox, who you have to try to convince to stay in town. Buddy Heald, you can maybe create a little bit of a dynamic offense in that situation. And let's be frank, the Sacramento Kings have been atrocious when it come to drafting. Over the last couple of years. Look back to 2018. Had the second overall pick in the draft. Missed out on DeAndre Ayton because he was the number one pick. But at number two, they take Marvin Bagley. And the next three picks after, it would be Luka Doncic. It was Jaron Jackson. And then it was Trey Young. And I'm sure they regret that 
every single day. So they have the ninth overall pick in this draft. Might as well get a player with a ton of upside, someone who could prove to score the basketball. And Tyrese Halliburton, another good player that they drafted last year. You got to kind of roll with this young core thing and might as well be exciting. Get someone who is able to get it done from all three levels of scoring the basketball. Take your shot. Book night at nine. And then with the 10th overall pick, this was a trade that we saw uh, just the other day where the Pelicans were able to acquire Jonas Valanciunas, got rid of Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, and also gave up the number 10 overall pick to the Memphis Grizzlies, who will select Chris Duarte from Oregon with that 10th pick. Now, Duarte, when you take a look at him, might not seem like an NBA-ready player, but you watch Oregon basketball last year, this dude is a flamethrower with the ball in his hands. Could give you 30 points any night. He is just electric scoring the basketball. And that is what Memphis needs. They were a playoff team this year. Were able to get a win over the number one seed Utah Jazz before losing four in a row. I think they need a spark. Another scoring option as they already have the grit going defensively with Jaron Jackson, with Dylan Brooks. You got to put a scorer next to John Morant. And I think Duarte could come in and just light up the ball from the three-point line. I think it is a great value pick for Memphis at number 10. It might be a little bit of a reach, but I think when you get someone who could score like that on the collegiate level, and everyone wanted to talk bad about the Pac-12 this past year, that's why no one was really looking at Oregon players or USC players or UCLA players. Well, they had three teams from the Pac-12 make the Elite Eight, so you got to give credit where credit is due. And Duarte was one of the top scorers in that conference last year. You take a chance with him and the number 10 pick for the Memphis Grizzlies. Big exciting draft coming up. Already seen a couple trades. I'm sure we're going to see more as that will lead us into free agency. But before we talk about free agency and trading and all things going on, which will definitely be a big part of next week's show, let's recap what has been going on through the NBA playoffs in terms of the coaching staffs for what we've seen and the front offices as well. And I'll go through them all, but I only really want to talk about two situations, that being Boston and Dallas. And with the situation in Boston, Brad Stevens, done with head coaching, goes into the front office, replaces Danny Ainge, the president of basketball operations, and former Nets assistant Ime Udoka, takes over the head coaching responsibilities for the Celtics. As for the Dallas Mavericks, Jason Kidd is in for Rick Carlisle, which was a mutual separation. And now Nico Harrison taking over as the new general manager. Other situations going on, the obvious one was Atlanta promoting Nate McMillan from interim head coach to full-time head coach after getting them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Chauncey Billups in for Terry Stotts in Portland in an attempt to try to keep Damian Lillard to stay, even though I think that is a very kind of just reaching for something because I don't really see that happening. Get into that more next week. Rick Carlisle out of Dallas into Indiana. Orlando hiring Jamal Mosley, who's in for Steve Clifford. And over the last week, we see Willie Green in for Stan Van Gundy after one year in New Orleans and Wes Unfield Jr. in for Scott Brooks in Washington. 
So let's start with Boston first. And I have been pretty loud and outspoken when I say that Danny Ainge was not the guy for the job for the Boston Celtics. And I have defended Brad Stevens as a head coach. However, I think Brad Stevens is so smart that he has put himself in a great spot to kind of turn the franchise on its head. They still have a ton of good young talent on the team. Jason Tatum, still a very young player. Jalen Brown, young player. What are they going to do with Marcus Smart? I don't know. They have decisions to make within that organization. And Brad Stevens, of course, is going to have to act as a recruiter, something that he did in Butler as the head coach, to try and get people to play for one of the most storied franchises in the sport. And that was something Danny Ainge was unable to do. Now, I think Brad Stevens, who knows the team, knows the personnel they currently have, and has hired Udoku as the new head coach, he wouldn't put in someone that he didn't feel comfortable with taking over that position. He hired someone within the Atlantic Division who was a former assistant with the Brooklyn Nets. So I think Brad Stevens is more equipped to figure out what he's doing, especially when it comes to the personnel on this own team. Because Brad Stevens is now going to be the one making the decision of what to do with Marcus Smart. Do you keep Jalen Brown around, or do you trade for another superstar? Brad Steven knows these players better than anybody else. He's seen them every single day in practice. He's coached these guys up. He knows what they have. I think this was a slam dunk for the Boston Celtics, getting Danny Ainge out of town and promoting Brad Stevens to the president of basketball operations. Now, as for the Dallas Mavericks, I'm a little concerned as to what they're trying to do. Jason Kidd, who we've seen have moments as a head coach in the league. Giannis never wanted Milwaukee to fire him in the first place. He's good with young talent. That's primarily the reason every team wants him as an assistant, but not to pull the strings as the guy, the head coach. And they also fire their longstanding general manager and hire Nico Harrison to run things in terms of free agency. I love Luka Doncic. He is already a top 10 player in the league after just three seasons. He's a lightning rod. He's great. And he is going to be a superstar in this league. But when it comes to Luka, as a young professional, 21 years old, I feel as if Mark Cuban and the organization is already giving him way too much power and he hasn't even signed a long-term contract yet. Seriously, he is still on his rookie deal. He's not even old enough to rent a car in this country and they are trusting him with all of these moves. Now, I am all on the side of the players in terms of giving them freedom to recruit players, to make head coaching decisions, to speak to the organization and everything. But Luka Doncic has been in the league for three years. He's been in the playoffs twice, and he hasn't won a playoff series yet. He's made a couple of all-NBA teams, and that's really it. And he hasn't fully pen-to-paper committed to the Dallas Mavericks yet. So I think it's just a little 
curious. I am a little curious as to how that situation is going down. Because Luca, as talented as he is, he definitely has a big ego. He's outspoken. He's just a kid. And I understand he's been playing professional basketball since he was 16 years old. I just don't think it's fair to put someone who has lived in this country for three years to make every single decision because I know that it came from him before it went anywhere else. And yes, in two years, let's say Dallas makes a run and they need to change. Yes, give him the reins. Let him do everything. But Rick Carlisle won a championship for Dallas. And last year, they were the most efficient offense in NBA history in the 2019-2020 season under Rick Carlisle. Now they've gotten rid of him, gotten rid of the general manager. It's all about Luka now. And I think they should have tried to do more with what they had to make Luka Doncic great and build around him and prove to him that this is the franchise for him. Not just kind of go in there and allow him to make every decision. It's just a little head-scratching to me. Because we all know Luke is great, but let's not act like he's LeBron James already. When, quite frankly, he hasn't done nearly enough to earn that respect yet. He's just too young. I'm just being honest. I think that everyone is such in awe of Luka Doncic and they drool over him all the time that you have to understand exactly who he is and everything that comes with him. I don't know. Just a little odd to me that they're already committing the entire franchise to this guy who still has yet to sign a max contract extension. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of the JP Hoops Pod. Go check out the Book It Sports app. Have an episode coming next week. We'll recap the NBA draft and a whole lot more. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.